Welcome to episode 21 of the Talkie Taka podcast. This week, all the biggest names delivered in the biggest games, while arguably the biggest name couldn't even get in the frame. Netherlands toasted Memphis. Things got a bit messy for Australia and France were too tall to climb for the poles. Jude was not afraid, he was made to go out and get her, while Japan went out with a bow. Finally, we say obrigado to the Portuguese speakers as they brought some samba flair, but will the real Ronaldo please stand up? Lastly, we say adios to Spain as Bono had a beautiful day. All this and more talkie moments from this week's Talkie Taka podcast. Alright, this week on the Talkie Taka podcast, we have with us RK and Ab. RK, how are you doing? How was this week? I'm good, Raga. How are you? Uh, you know, great week. Uh, continuing with a great World Cup, I think the only thing which was kind of, uh, you know, different about this week was that we kind of reverted to type. Uh, so, but otherwise it was still very exciting and a lot of, you know, good moments. My favorite moment is the Hakimi one. I was reading during the game at the start of the game about, you know, how he grew up in Sp- uh, in Madrid and how, you know, he, he grew up from the academy and still, he still faced a lot of, you know, uh, like subtle racism. I think that moment very, uh, you know, chipped the, uh, like, Panenka and celebrated with the penguin dance, which was reminiscent of uh, his uh, close friend, Ramos. <laughs> that was, that was like a bitter salt in the wounds for Spain. All right, RK, getting us started with the talkie moments. Uh, Ab, let's come to you. How's your week been and what's your talkie moment? My week uh, has been tiring between World Cup and work, but, uh, but it's good. I think we had a good round of 16. Uh, my talkie moments I'm going to pick two moments but essentially from the same game I think one was Giroud uh, becoming the all-time leading goal scorer for France with a fantastic goal against Poland and of course the beast that is uh, Mbappe if you think Giroud has the record now it's going to be a matter of time before Mbappe takes it and surpasses it uh, quite easily I predict so, yeah, I think um, uh, we'll, we'll speak about all the teams and a couple of them are looking really good. A couple of the South American teams, but uh, I think France and Portugal are looking pretty strong as well. So, more to come. Yes, and we will get to those record breakers from France. Um, so, my talkie moment of the week, it has to be just one. Well, it's not one moment. It's like 90-95 minutes uh, of, of talkie moments, that Brazil game. Um that entire match, the samba flair, the pace, the tricks, the touches, the goals, the dances, uh, especially the dance with the coach, that took me back to why I began to love football as a kid. When I was a kid, the Ronaldo step over was all it took to get me hooked to the sport. I think a lot of non-football watchers were getting their first taste of football in this Qatar World Cup. And this match, I think, is going to convert a lot of people to football. Uh, it was just Unbelievable! If I had to pick one moment, it would be the Richarlison goal. Not just because of the the head tennis that he was doing, but then the quick interplay and the pass that came into the box. Just an outstanding goal in an outstanding game. All right, let's get right to it. We can start with the big and probably the only upset of the week in a in a World Cup full of upsets. We had only one this week. Let's get to it then. Spain. Spain lost to Morocco. Arvind, you talked about it a little bit in your talkie moments. Why don't you get us started? Yes, Spain under Luis Enrique, uh, you know, I was 
like very impressed by them because I didn't like Spain for many years. 2010, 2012, they won the World Cup, but for me and for a lot of other people, especially on our group, they were pretty boring to watch. Under Enrique, however, we started to see more of a free-flowing identity, especially in the Euros, and in the first couple of games of this World Cup as well. I thought that this is a new Spain, and you know, this is a much more positive Spain. While we have talked about them not being able to convert the chances, however, this game. Uh, and even the previous one was kind of Spain reverting to type, uh, uh, you know, uh, regressing into the 2010 mode, which I so hated. So from that point of view, I was already supporting Morocco, but you know, it made me, it it made it really easy for me to completely, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, completely back them. The game was, I think, for a neutral, it would have been boring, but you know, from a one-off point of view, such games are also interesting as long as they don't become the norm. I would say, finally, deserved win for Morocco there. One thousand passes with no goals and no penalties scored. I've not seen that in a long time. Ab, I'm coming to you. Your best friend and always loved Alvaro Morata. Did Spain become better with him on the pitch, or were they the same? No, I think they became better. Uh, it's all. It, I'm always a fan of teams playing with a focal point up front. Even if that focal point is a guy like Morata, who I don't rate very highly. uh you you said 1000 passes that was not the only 1000 that they attempted they also apparently practiced 1000 penalties each uh because we discussed that it was probably against their own keeper so there's a reason why they probably saw a high success rate but uh yeah spain did get better under morata uh i think sarabia probably had the best chance right at the very end uh, where he hit the uh post in subsequently hit the other post when he took his penalty but uh, but yeah i mean i don't want to add too much on top of what rk said i agreed with pretty much most of it i think uh, it was a lot of sideways without a great deal of penetration and when they did penetrate they didn't take their chances you know i just talking of sarabia like how many times have we seen this you know managers bringing players on so late virtually the first kick of their match is the penalty I thought we had an enough sample size, you know, not to see this in this World Cup, but it's still happening. Uh, I think Morocco were kind of forced into the change. They didn't want to bring, uh, you know, the uh, that particular defender on, but even he missed his penalty. I, I mean, if they don't change now, when will people learn? Uh, and uh, you know, uh, just a word on Unai Simon. I wanted to ask you guys. You know, we have been fairly, uh, you know, we have backed Enrique. that he wants a specific type of keeper but is unai simon really a good keeper now i start to think yeah i think there are a lot of question marks against spain uh, the penalty thing is hilarious i think we've had countless instances i think we all were 100% sure on our group that uh, sarabia is going to miss and then when we realized i think some of us missed it that they had um, i think morocco had a player that they brought on in the 120th minute as well the moment somebody mentioned that we were sure he was going to miss as well and lo and behold both of them missed their penalties um so but morocco go on i think uh, we we discussed in the previous episode that they have 
a little bit extra about them hearing some great stories coming out of their camp a lot of camaraderie something that was missing under the previous manager you already touched on some of the the magic of the world cup with hakimi uh, there they have some injuries though so they're uh, probably going to be they had a player playing all through the second half uh, with a, with a torn hamstring perhaps so they're in a bit of trouble and they're going up against portugal so uh, what what do you make of their chances going forward rk yeah rather completely agree i had the same thought yesterday when the match ended uh, agward and size have been like rocks at the back and they are their two main defenders uh, so it's going to be a big miss for them if those guys don't make it back size seem to have a hamstring problem so seems pretty tough and uh, we were remarking about you know how negative uh, morocco were while it's great and kind of they were forced into it because of the way, way that spain play but i don't think they will be able to win another match uh, playing the same way but what an atmosphere their fans generated and if that is the kind of home kind of home atmosphere that they are going to you know have in the next match things are going to be interesting for sure yeah they had some of that iceland clap going on as well it was pretty great to watch uh coming to another atmosphere there was toki taka in the crowd when portugal went about their business so what did you make of that game rk did your uh, talisman well your former talisman have any impact on the game he had a similar impact to the kind of impact he has had for manchester united where we talk of how much better i think we have exchanged notes on you know united's points when he plays and when he uh, like doesn't play i i think we saw something similar in the warm up game for portugal as well uh, and in this game again i think uh, portugal were well worth the six goals uh, very impressive in position very free flowing game uh, goncalo ramos uh, was very focused in leading the line uh, but uh, you know his work rate off the ball and uh, making those very aggressive runs i think he served them very well and uh, now i don't think there is a case for dropping him for the next game outstanding from portugal i thought yeah interestingly i think all the way up until the uh, round of 16 stage i think this is the first hat trick that's been scored uh, this world cup by ramos uh, normally i think we're just too used to miroslav klose banging in like five or six goals in the group stage itself with the hat trick in between uh, but i actually you know i didn't catch this game live i saw the shortened version of the highlight which had the goals and i'm very surprised when i woke up i was very surprised when i woke up this morning to see this kind of a scoreline uh, you know and switzerland if not anything else have been pretty tight right i think they've been solid jacques done a good job there uh, marshalling his guys even if they haven't created a lot they haven't conceded a lot either so what i wanted to ask one of you guys like how did this match sort of flow out was it portugal just carving them open was switzerland off their pace what happened yeah the great thing uh, about the match was uh, the first when uh, you know 12 13 minutes was kind of like how we expected it a bit you know uh, kg and stuff but it changed on one moment uh, goncalo ramos received the ball at a very acute angle and you should i mean that finish was so superb and it kind of i think revved portugal into gear after that they started and uh, you know they had this very interesting shape in midfield which i have not seen much maybe it's something which international football can only afford you where they seem to have a rotating diamond sometimes bruno would be on the right sometimes he would be center and you know bernardo would exchange with him 
Carvalho was more or less static, but you you would have Joao Felix who was on the left wing also coming central, and someone going out wide. So I mean, it was very difficult for Switzerland to kind of mark Portugal, and uh, I think Ramos had a very good game complementing you know those moments. He didn't drop particularly deep. He didn't come for the ball. He just waited for his openings and. I think uh, I have been fairly critical of Fernando Santos, and uh, but this game I was very impressed with. You know, finally I thought that you know Portugal are using the talent that they have, and uh, you know being greater than the sum of their very very expensive and talented parts. Yeah, so I mean this one came out of nowhere. I think uh, hardly anybody would have guessed that Portugal would suddenly put in a display like this after what we've seen in this World Cup. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos, uh, I, it's. Uh, I think RK mentioned the Schadenfreude from last from last episode, where he was taking joy in uh, in the detriment of others. But I think in a little bit of seeing Ronaldo's replacement doing so well, I'm sure uh, RK was smiling ear to ear during this match. It was quite incredible. The performances, all the finishes were great. Have to mention mine and RK's boy Rafael Lea. What what a goal to finish off the six! It was just incredible. Guerrero with a great goal and Pepe, thirty nine years old. I think he's the uh, the oldest goal scorer in a knockout stage and the second oldest sco- scorer in a World Cup. Just uh, everything seems to have worked. A little bit of uh, outlier in this result, but everything seems to be going right at the right time for Portugal. You know, I I went on Twitter and I saw this tweet from Piers Morgan saying, "Pepe is 39 and he scored." And you guys talk of Ronaldo. I mean, that's the okay. This is the comeback that Piers Morgan has left. So, Piers Morgan is so far up Ronaldo's ass. You can you can see him coming out of his nose. Yeah, I think one. Um, this is like the perfect time for a team to get into. This kind of goal-scoring form, and I think they're going to now they're going to face Morocco, right? So uh, Morocco with who are going to be extremely tired after 120 minutes, and I think carrying injuries to some of the key players. So I think uh, you know I was thinking back to our uh, round of 16 predictions, and I think we got so many of them wrong. I think we were uh, misguided by some of the performances in the group stage, but. Uh, I think if you were to predict this quarter final and Portugal winning comfortably I think that's a safe bet to make now. Pleasantly surprised I would say a lot of things have pleasantly surprised us in this World Cup it's been great entertainment. Let's move on then what came next? Oh yes, Brazil versus Korea. I have some stuff to say on this game but RK why don't you get us started? So, you know, I uh, my first World Cups uh, were 98 and 2002 and you know i was so attracted to the idea of brazil i didn't end up following them constantly after that but even i i remember my parents you know being wowed by the sight of brazil in those world cups and i i completely resonate with what you said earlier that you know people who don't watch football generally are going to get taken in by that performance and there will be not of you know people now supporting brazil from here uh, i would i think the two stand out moments for me is the richarlison goal where he is basically controlling the ball on his head and he is assisted by the two center backs and uh, then all the dancing celebrations especially the one from paqueta and you know where richarlison rushes to the coach and they dance together i mean it's just a free expression of joy 
I really can't imagine who would have a problem with that, but apparently some people like Roy Kinn do. But I mean, they just want attention and they should be ignored. Yeah, I mean Roy Kinn. I uh, I am not going to let anything put a dampener on this on this game on this result. It it I'm just talking about it now. I can't stop smiling. It is literally the greatest half of international team football that I've ever seen. It it it's something that you never ever see at a World Cup, and even Brazil, I've never seen them play this way. I I used to love Ronaldinho and Ronaldo, and I fell in love with the team, but I don't think they've ever put in a display like this. It was so free flowing. It was so uh, the the chemistry was incredible. It's not one player showing his individual skill and talent. It was the 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 Richarlison goal is such a perfect example, and even the next goal, the Paqueta goal, was probably as good with the the passes passes in behind, and then that beautiful little. chip ball it was futsal in in the international stage at the larger stage i can't i can't get over what i saw it was just thrilling uh, it it had the hair on the back of my neck neck stand up it was so exciting i i sometimes in the last 10 years i wondered why the hell do i still support brazil it's for these kinds of moments and i don't think anybody else gives us these kinds of moments well while they showed portugal for example we're talking about it as though it's a big surprise with their players they should be doing this more often but brazil delivered something really special we discussed in the past games that they just need that first goal after that i think in both in all the previous games they opened up beautifully they got the early goal this time and oh my god i hope they get an early goal in every game going forward yeah i think dunga spoiled it for an entire generation with the, the kind of tactics that he went with even uh, you know i think any brazil team is a uh, like is a talented team vinicius and rafinha i thought outstanding vinicius is uh, such a magician his his finish was so composed and as you said the pass to paqueta i mean the more i watch it the more it wows me and rafinha is i think like the griezmann what griezmann is to france has been so far in this world cup not really on the starts chart but he's so you know central to what they do on and off the ball holding the width uh, and you know getting into the box and this trickery uh, but i think one thing i wanted to ask you guys is how did you find neymar's performance he got the man of the match but and of course everyone was good in that first half but probably just warming his way back in i think a great a great warm up if that's the case um i wouldn't i see i i couldn't really look at after that half i couldn't pinpoint one player and say that that's the in fact you know if i was really going to pick one player i'd have picked casemiro because i think casemiro really is a low key player of the tournament for me because he's everything that brazil are able to do they're backing it up with the steel and grit that that the like the teams like argentina and all are displaying in their best moments as well so they're really preventing teams from getting chances although today to be fair alisson was outstanding he had to make a couple of saves and he was incredible but he's not had to make saves in the tournament till now and people like casemiro are the ones who have been who've been making that happen and he was brilliant today like he got the ball he had that crisp tackling that went on so i couldn't pick one player but neymar was outstanding i think i mentioned it midway through the half to you guys uh i was naive to think that brazil can manage without him well they can ma- probably manage without him the level difference of how quickly he takes the first touch and gets out of trouble in a in a when he's being closed down by two three people there are maybe two or three people in the world who can do that and people like messi people like neymar these are the only people in the world who can do that kind of high pressure make things look so easy under high pressure and that showed i think the interplay between the players happens through him and uh, without him i think they will not have this much freedom and flair so yeah he made a huge difference 
and I, I he didn't have to stretch so that that's good because he still probably still has something in the back pocket left yeah uh, like for me while everyone played well i just thought that maybe he was kind of uh, looked a bit gingerly at times and especially in the second half probably that's not a fair type to judge as well because second half they were just resting themselves and getting to the uh, you know through the game but of course it's a big positive that neymar has played 70 minutes and uh they are now going to meet european opposition in the knockouts which i think as ab had remarked earlier in some earlier episode that has been the banana skin for them in you know the last few editions where they have met a european team in knockouts and they went out i hope i it should not be the case this time but who knows and coming to that their opponents in the next round how did they fare croatia against japan i don't know what I don't know about everybody, but there were a lot of us who were solely behind Japan in that game. Uh, they really they won our hearts through the tournament. Um, they did really well. I think they dominated a lot of that game, especially down the wings. They were getting so much joy against the old aging uh, Croatia team. Uh, at the end of it, you saw the old heads like Modric and Kovacic being brought off, uh, going into penalties. I thought they were doomed then, but they somehow got over the line. Ab, what did you make of this? Yeah, I think we had talked about this game uh, on our chat just before it kicked off, and you we were talking about how Japan will start in a very spirited manner. They'll probably press rapidly. They'll try and take the ball uh, from Croatia high up the pitch. Uh, try and get the early goal i think we were for the most part i think we were pretty accurate in those dis- in those predictions japan for sure started the better uh, they closed croatia down uh, and when they did uh, score their goal it was a little scrappy but when they did score their goal i don't think any of us felt that it was undeserved i think they had done enough to warrant a goal at that time and um, uh, again similar to our prediction we expected croatia would come back into it they are of course the technically uh, more skillful team between the two uh, so they and they did come back into it uh, for me i think the perisic goal was probably the best headed goal i've seen this world cup so far uh, this year and um, they did come back into it but again they you think that once croatia take uh, equalize they're going to go on and win it right but again ja- japan step up so even from for the last 20 minutes and i think for the large part of extra time also i think japan was still i would still say that they were the better team they did create the better chances but yeah i mean <laughs> i'll let rk come in but we'll talk about those penalties also yeah i mean uh, i was for one very disappointed that you know japan couldn't you know break that glass ceiling and finally get into the quarter finals because this time tactically especially against bigger opposition they completely looked the part i thought uh, in many ways this, uh, like they deserved to go through i have been a critic of the substitutions in the game against costa rica but i think they again got the substitution spot on in this game uh, similar to how they did uh, mitoma and minamino especially impressed me uh, i think at uh, you know there were a couple of times when they really had the croats at their mercy back and running i remember that one individual run from mitoma he where he rushed from his own box and he i think if he had just placed that finish any any side of the keeper that would be a winner for uh, you know uh, like for japan but i think more, uh, the big game players for croatia stepped up in the second half and there was a nice uh, back and forth that was happening for a while perisic and modric you have to salute them and 
you know when modric was walking off and it was 1-1 and there were a few minutes left for penalties you couldn't help but get a a bit of you know regret that maybe this is the last time that you see someone like him playing at a world cup but now we have one more game to watch modric yeah i think mitoma another another great example of brighton killing it at the world cup and another brighton player really starring we talked about a few others in the previous episode um japan so close i think uh, like ab said we called the patterns of the game uh, I, i would say that we gave croatia probably too much credit when we were talking about the patterns we thought it will start off with 10 15 minutes of japan and then the technique of croatia will come in uh, for the next 30 35 minutes but i don't think croatia had that much in the game they probably had a period of 15 or 20 minutes of superiority and the rest of it was mostly japan even in the second half it was a lot of japan and you could see the tiring legs Uh, which is where perhaps they might find it uh, hard against uh, brazil unfortunately they couldn't get that goal and then they went into the penalty shootout and uh, ab why don't you take us through some of those penalties that japan took man uh, i just felt that some of them looked rather naive uh, i always believe that the best way to take a penalty is to run up and smash it even if you smash it down the middle as zs showed you'll probably be okay because the keeper is tend likely to dive to one side or the other but some of those penalties were so tame that uh, i think they missed the first three uh, so you know it ended up being a very a tame end to a pretty promising world cup campaign uh, none of the penalties were especially in the corner none of them were hit with any real power it was it felt like the shots of guys who are tired after 120 minutes of running some penalty penalty discussion along with a compliment to hakim zh we need to start keeping count of this now with ab all right then let's move on to the top half of the draw Let's start with what we're all we're all dying to talk about. Is it coming home, RK? After all the jinxes that this powerful group has put together, I think even Southgate can't stop it from coming home this time. The kind of abuse that we have given him and the kind of disrespect that we have given him, but I think England and Southgate are showing that you know they know how to play the tournament. At least this level of opposition is something that they. you know they know how to handle and they have handled it fairly comfortably i think the first 35 40 minutes went as per how we were thinking it would go where both teams were kg england especially so being the favorite were not in a hurry to take the game to the opposition senegal had some great chances but and this is what i love about you know really some of the attacking teams is you know how they rotate the positions and that first england goal is one of my favorite goals of the tournament because of that where foden and Kane drop deep out of position, right? And they rotate the ball, and you know the two midfielders come running up. Bellingham eats into the space where the centre back should have been there, and then he squares it for the other midfielders coming. I mean, that's kind of like a total football uh, for me. And I mean, Bellingham took my breath away in that match. I have not seen him much in the Bundesliga, but I think we are seeing a very very special player here, and. I mean, I'm just sad that he's going to Liverpool next season. Ah, ha ha! I see what you did there. Uh, before I address that 
ultimate jinx i i got goosebumps even now when you started talking about bellingham i i absolutely agree this is something special that we are seeing this was his calling this was his day the the entire world cup to stood up and took notice of jude bellingham i think he pulled england out of southgate's boring grasp in this match uh, the first 30 35 minutes there was like nothing happening and everything was going as per our uh, expectations of southgate teams but that his running through the lines from midfield really changed the game like the fact that he i mentioned uh, last episode that kane likes to have people who are running in front of him and uh, the two of them that i wanted was rashford and foden unfortunately rashford couldn't play but the third one that i mentioned was from behind him a guy who makes these runs constantly was jude bellingham and he seems so press resistant he seems so uh, pre- like pressure resistant as well you, you can't put somebody on a hard man on him to tackle because he's huge and he can manage anything physically as well uh, the 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 restraint and the, the maturity that he showed is just scary when i actually learned saw that he was just what 19 years old it's it's mind blowing i think this is this is seriously one of the top 3 players in the world in the next 5 years that we are going to be talking about incredible i wish I wish this is somebody that we'll be talking about in a Liverpool shirt going forward but unless he's planning to buy Liverpool I don't think there's any connection at all. You guys should really uh, <laughs> take a break from this jinxing and counter jinxing. But yeah coming back to the game and the performance like I know if this is a lot said about Bellingham uh, but you know what a far cry this midfield of bellingham and rices when compared to calvin phillips and rice that we had in the euros right and that also was successful for england in the sense that they reached the final but um it it's just a different type of player a different class of player i think he's still only 19 there's just it's all upside with this guy uh, that second goal was just like it was all bellingham right it was all him um but uh, a point on england though uh, overall uh, midfield aside is um, you know they are really you now starting to trust their own uh, qualities and abilities right and um, so even if they know that the first 30 35 minutes they may not create much they keep sticking with it they keep poking and prodding and ultimately you know the there's always some x factor there uh, you know bellingham does a run this fantastically talented young players like saka and foden uh, so there's just so much uh, that they can try even if plan a does not work right i think that's where england are really strong i'm really 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 looking forward to england versus france i think it's going to be a belter of a game i will be supporting france but uh, i would not be surprised at all if england can actually uh, do one up on them you know bellingham remarked after the game that uh, england fans have been very disrespectful towards henderson but he's come in and kind of uh, complimented that other two very well so i mean what do you guys think about this whole henderson how he's treated by fans and how he has performed in this world cup see i think he's always been proving himself all through his liverpool career as well he's had to prove um himself to a lot of liverpool fans as well not probably the ones who go to anfield every week or or some of the real uh, the core ones uh, that 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 are not really you know spewing hate online he doesn't really need to convince a lot of people but there are people that he always is convincing and is proving himself against 
um i will say this uh, his game has has not been at the level that we all expected this season and he's coming off an injury as well so uh, i'm not going to say that he's always been good and and he doesn't deserve any criticism because he does i think a large part of last season and this season he's not been at his best but he's he's doing a superb job for that england team and like ab ab was mentioning the perfect the perfect thing that i hate about england was that calvin phillips and rice uh, combination right but it, this time and i have to put my plug in here so if for all listeners if you guys are watching uh, it on geo cinema please check out the tactical view that you can change the camera and you can watch the entire football field view it's just such an amazing new experience to um, to watch football with uh so when you when i was watching it that way i could very clearly see that it's not a double six and it's a it's one and then followed by two eights who are constantly making runs in uh, forward runs and that resulted in the goal so i think we saw that with paqueta as well uh, his goal also came with that late run and we saw it in another game which we'll bring up in in some time uh, that seems to be a difference maker in a lot of the top teams games this week we saw the midfielders making late runs into the box and that made a huge difference and i think henderson is instead of playing that sixth role which he has played in liverpool in the past he's playing the eighth role which is like a running uh, running forward center midfield and that's working for england and it's working for him as well uh, i don't know whether he can play two three games in a week that needs to be seen but uh, yeah good good for him I'm, i i love him and i'm so happy that he's having some uh, good positive moments but i think even that was brought upon by jude bellingham just one point before we move on though um, all our thoughts with raheem sterling he had to leave uh, the team suddenly uh, during a world cup it's never easy um, had some terrible situations back home where armed people entered his house house where his, while his family was safety was being threatened he's had to leave for personal reasons and that's never okay um i don't think he'll be back uh, this 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 tournament but uh, everybody's thoughts with him let's move on then um the next the big game that we saw and the big player who who delivered on the big stage yet again leo messi so rk what do you what did you make of argentina's performance i think you had argentina to win the world cup before we started so what did you make of their performance and leo messi specifically Yeah, so when Messi scored that goal in, I think the 35th minute or so, so I was watching that game uh, with ESPN Arun, and you know I kind of jumped off my seat a bit, and I and you know ESPN I think is supposed to be an Argentina supporter, and he was looking at me like, aren't you supposed to be supporting Brazil? But I think that's what Messi does to you. I, you know, I I really am, uh, you know, he he really is pulling out the emotion in fans the way that he's playing in this World Cup. second half especially some of those messy dribbles you know it was a throwback and i was also reading this piece on the uh, you know athletic where you know uh, like they were describing how fans support messi in this world cup in buenos aires and in doha like and it was really emotional to you know read that piece so i mean watching messi for the last time in a world cup is a definite treat but otherwise i think argentina were ordinary for large spells of the match but i was particularly impressed by one 20 minute spell where they made the formation three at the back and really pressed high they have done this in the previous game as well where you know when messi is one of the two forwards then they really are very confident about their press so probably i would like to believe that they will take the good part of this game into the next game 
it was a real throwback <laughs> i think in the second half there was this one typical messi mazy run where he went past three people in midfield and then got a lucky break and then got the ball again in the edge of the box but ended up i think getting tackled at the last minute that kind of stuff really uh, really gets people excited it was amazing how actually the, the games that we're talking about now happened first in the week and then some of the other games happened later and um, when we started it was happening in typical world cup fashion the likes of netherlands and argentina they were not really um wowing us with their football but they were being efficient and and their best players were delivering on the largest stage and that was that's what we've grown up to believe uh, works in world cup matches and then suddenly the second half of the week where we had so much flair and passion and amazing football so i started the week thinking argentina is uh, one of the favorites and every single day this week my favorites kept changing i went i went to france then i went oh shit maybe england can do something and then i saw brazil and then portugal yesterday is just incredible i think argentina have that steel and grit that not too many of the other teams have that might help them out but um, but messi's magic can is something that you can't you can't really put down in any situation i think they have a huge chance to take this cup yeah i think of all the teams who have gone into the last eight probably the least you know inspiring performance was from argentina in this game so from that point of view while they impressed in the last two games of the group stage they still have a lot of things to prove especially coming up against netherlands who we will talk about uh, one of the things that argentina need to be very careful about is lotaro martinez he came on and i think messi presented him chances on a plate at the end of the game but he couldn't finish it and what that does is while we see you know australia fighting back showing so much flair playing out of their skin with that one mazy dribble and all but when you don't finish chances it gives your opposition chances you know to come back into the game and show that kind of energy which would not have been possible if lotaro had finished and it's becoming a pattern now which is really concerning but a shout out to the two martinezes at the back i think uh, emiliano made a great save coming out and made it simple at the end and uh, lisandro martinez made that very very crucial block uh, in that uh, you know the solo dribble from uh, from one of the australian players yeah i think uh, that was uh, the the run that you you me- you mentioned was aziz behic uh, i think he made he could have had one of the goals of the century if he had finished off that run it was him i think earlier on as well that messi kind of riled up and gave him gave a push and stuff like that and his uh, passion or heat of the moment actually gave the free kick away which messi ended up scoring from so messi not just doing the magic with the ball at feet but also a little bit of the dark arts coming out from him that was interesting to see all right then moving on to the champions and england's next opponents france it wasn't all plain sailing i think poland had a lot of chances i didn't give them that much uh, chance in this game but they did have their chances they could have scored i think loris and uh, varan had to pull them out of the ditch early on but then there was some magic to be to be to be watched as well ab what did you make of france france were i think over the course of the 90 minutes really really good um i spoke about it in a talking moment but uh, big shout out to giroud man just he looks like he's aging in reverse uh, the the sequence of play that led to giroud's opening goal was absolutely fantastic so you know france was just passing it around the box then mbappe receives it and he very quickly releases the ball to giroud and you think there is no angle there but he finds one and then giroud takes a touch and you know slots it past the keeper 
and he's become the record goal scorer now for France. So I think it it's in those fine margins that uh, players like Mbappe really show how truly world class they are. Uh, like you said, Poland did play well. I think they had um, two or three chances in the first half. I think uh, Lloris made a save. Then there was a block on the line, uh, and another block after that. But uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, if, I, if you have to look at it over 90 minutes, they could not contain France. Right, and once France got the early goal, uh, or rather the uh, the first goal in the game, it was always going to be difficult for them. Uh, the two goals subsequently that Mbappe also scored were also absolutely fantastic. I know towards the end Poland were chasing the game game a little bit, but uh, two absolutely fantastic goals. Uh, the guy is just unbelievable. He's just a, such an unbelievable player. Uh, he's just going to go to greater and greater heights as his career goes on. Um, that said, uh, while I before I pass it on, I think. Quick shout out to Matty Cash. I thought he handled Mbappe largely well through the game, uh, but you know, it it takes a minute, it takes a moment, it takes a mo- two moments, right, for guys like that to beat you. Yeah, <clears throat> I, yeah. I I said uh, I said already that uh, looking forward to the England France game, but um, looking forward to how you know Kyle Walker or uh, Trippier deal with uh, Mbappe. That's going to be fun to watch. You know, we talk about Mbappe's attitude and uh, his tantrums, and uh, you know his how how difficult he can be to deal with, uh, and how probably that leaves him, uh, you know, a bit negative in comparison to let's say uh, the other great competitor for him, Haaland, who's not at this World Cup. But for me, Mbappe has been the most driven, you know, player in this tournament so far. I think he's carrying the team on his shoulders. The force of nature that he has represented in this World Cup, and I wanted to put this to you guys. I mean, it kind of resembles for me, you know, what Ronaldo was storming through the 1998 World Cup. Uh, I just w- wanted to probably ask you guys if you, you know, remember any such or what do you think is the most forceful contribution you have seen at a World Cup? For me, what Mbappe is doing right now is right on top, and because of that, France is the team to beat in this tournament. I, I, I mean, I, um, I saw those stats that just blew my mind. He is already the number two goal scorer for France in World Cups. He is he's got more goals than one Cristiano Ronaldo at World Cups. He's got as many goals as one Leo Messi in World Cups, and he's 23 years old. I I don't know what I don't know what we what we can expect from this guy, but he's already here. He's already delivering. He's already one of the probably the top two players in the world right now. It's, it's scary and I agree with you, RK. Five goals in this World Cup. I think the golden boot is done and dusted. I don't think uh, he's going to stop here. And that's why I'm, I think I'm looking forward to see what England can do against them. But when somebody who's so the, the unstoppable force that he is, I think he's going to carry them all the way to the final yet again. And the, the fact that he's doing it after... The fact that after the one last time where he had the pressure last time as well, he's living up to his big name now. Just a just a quick stat. I don't since two thousand six, Italy have never won a knockout game in the World Cup. Since two thousand ten, Spain has not won a, a knockout game in the World Cup. And since two thousand fourteen, Germany have not won a knockout game in the World Cup. So France are actually changing the the trends of the last three World Cup winners from Europe, and they're 
and Mbappe is leading from the front. It's 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 some really incredible stuff at on such young uh, shoulders. I think he's really carrying them. No, I think I I already talked about this, but Griezmann has been the silent star for them. He's created, I think, fifteen chances for France in this tournament. Probably he's not very visible on the goals and the assist chart, but. You know, in the ball progression from midfield, the other guy being Shuamini, who is slightly deeper. So Griezmann has been the guy who has, you know, linked the defense and attack very, very smoothly. And you know, we have talked about how each piece in France complements each other. How Rabiot's runs have complemented Shuamini and Griezmann. How Dembélé's width complements, you know, Mbappe's free roll and Giroud's focal point. So I mean, this is a all-in-all very, very dangerous uh, chemistry that the France team have got. In fact. They seem to have benefited from not having too many options and some players, you know, missing. It's made them very crystal clear on the strategy and tactics that they need to choose. All right, uh, moving on. Then uh, the last game in the round of sixteen, uh, we saw Netherlands take on the USA, and Netherlands again after disappointing and all of us kind of writing them off, giving USA a great chance. uh to to qualify or to you know upset netherlands suddenly they came up with the efficiency they came up with the clinical nature they got the three goals and they put usa to bed ab what did you make of netherlands in this game are you buying the hype yet man if there was a time to start getting better and look like the real deal it it is now and i thought some of netherlands play um especially that the fact that they were so clinical I think was it looked really good. I think <laughs> yet again we all predicted based on the group stage performance that USA would give Netherlands a really tough game. I I in fact went so far as to say that you know I expect the U- United States to win. And um, there was a lot of huffing and puffing from the United States. I think they played okay enough. Uh, they put pressure. They tried to uh, press and steal the ball high up the pitch. but uh, i think netherlands were very clinical i think usa left themselves far too open on some of those goals uh the dubai one and subsequently the the daily blind goal as well and um, uh let me put it this way we have seen fantastic performances from portugal brazil maybe to a slightly less extent france now in the round of 16 would i compare the um, Netherlands performance on par with any of those probably not but it was a significant improvement from i think what they showed us in the group stage yeah i i have a slightly different view on how netherlands performed i agree that you know they know what they are doing they know their shape uh, it's very much like the 2014 shape which louis van hal went with you know where netherlands were not particularly very interested in having the ball uh, but you know they were quick in breaking into gaps and very clinical in finishing off the chances so this is very much the same you know tactic that he has gone up with but for me it doesn't seem uh, you know a formation or a shape which teams are particularly finding hard to play against i thought in fact uh, if you look at the if you look at the data then usa almost outperformed or slightly outperformed netherlands on xg uh their goal was very chancy i don't think that's going to you know he is going to ever finish like that again but the second half especially i think usa kind of dominated the game and i don't think netherlands were really in control right uh if they were in control they wouldn't have conceded those kind of chances so uh but having said that 
just because of the clarity of you know the tactics that they have and how clinical they have been in this tournament with people like Gakpo and now you know Depay and Dumfries are providing those kind of finishes. I think the 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 like the first goal was a thing of beauty. So definitely when I look at Argentina and Netherlands and we'll come to that in a bit. Uh, it's it's going to be a very very you know uh, even encounter uh, for me. So I'm not writing off Netherlands, but I've not been particularly impressed by them. Yeah, this was the other game I was talking about a little bit earlier. So this is where the the cutbacks into the box and some of these teams who have had good um, defensive organization in the past, like the USA, they 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 came a bit short. Um, so we saw it in the other games where the late runners made all the difference, like Jude Bellingham and Henderson and Paqueta. But here as well, I think Memphis Depay in the first goal and Daily Blind in the second goal were almost identical goals. You had Dumfries on the right getting some space, and who really showed his quality today? Uh, not just with his goal, but with the passing, the passing range and the attacking uh, output that he had as well, and clinical finishing from the ball that was cut back into the box. If you look at it from an XG point of view, they were neck and neck. So it was 1.7 to Netherlands and 1.5 to the USA. So they were USA did have their chances and they really rude that lack of uh, clinical finishing that Netherlands displayed. I think they've been a different team since Memphis has come into the team. So the in the end of the group stage as well, I think they looked good once Memphis was back. Um, so it was it's something that they need to. Uh, probably double down on and the late runs into the box seem to be a recurring theme now in the late ends in the dying ends of the world cup all right i think we've uh, wrapped up um, what's happened so far let's move let's dive right into what's going to happen let's start with netherlands then we've we're impressed some of you not impressed and argentina did probably didn't have the best performance of the round of 16 either who do you think is going to come through of this one rk Argentina. I mean, it's more hope than a proper uh, confidence in in here. I think this is going to be one of the closest matches in the quarterfinals. Uh, two, I think, teams on balance of how they have performed, uh, not on paper, are very evenly matched. On paper, I would say Argentina have to be the favourites here. But uh, I think it's all about who brings their A game, you know, which they have shown in flashes. Uh, for example, Netherlands in the first half against the US and uh, Argentina in the game against Poland and the times against Mexico and Australia. So it's all about who brings their A-game and who implements it better. I think the A-game for Argentina is basically being able to press up high, uh, being very tough against the ball, as you said, Radha, and being able to progress the ball in such a way that Messi comes into his own at the edge of the box or just inside the box. That's the strength for Argentina and for, for Netherlands, it's all about how compact they are and how quick they are able to break. So, it will be pretty interesting uh, because of the different styles of the two teams to see who comes out on top. But for me, I am a bit emotional about Messi in this tournament and I really hope that he goes one step more at least. One thing I think to note is that they've conceded 1.5, 1.7 XG in multiple games against Ecuador and now again so they have had Netherlands is who I mean they have had a few instances where they've not been very tight at the back and so RK this brings us to a question from one of our fans writing in so um, Akshay asks us do you think that Netherlands have a better chance against the well-organized teams like England and USA who perhaps don't express themselves that much uh, 
versus say an organized team like Argentina but also who have the individual flair and brilliance like Messi uh, when they have had a little bit of a leaky defense so far in the tournament yeah i kind of agree to that sentiment i think teams which are uh, which slightly try to make up more than the sum of their parts through tactics like what we have seen louis van al doing with netherlands and what we have seen southgate doing with england is that they kind of thrive on the draw so it's tough to uh, when you think of netherlands in 2014 of course they had a very tough group opponent in spain but otherwise i think they had a decent draw england this uh, have been also conservatively set up and you know they have also had decent draws so probably it is easier you know uh, for teams uh, like uh, like for netherlands to kind of get through teams like the us but i think when talking of other other teams that they have left coming up against them it's not just about individual brilliance i think whenever argentina have got it right they have got the tactical setup also uh, it has been pretty impressive to watch so i think i think argentina have more going for them than individual brilliance which is why it will be a tough match for netherlands to win all right let's move on to the next big game and we touched upon it a bit while talking about the teams france v england ab is giroud going to continue to be the best striker in the world is mbappe going to continue to be the best player in the world or is jude going to pip one of them uh man this is going to be a really really interesting match uh i cannot pick a winner here uh i go you know i between, if you ask me who i want to win this contest i'm going to go ahead and pick france it's um it's a really really tasty match you know jude bellingham and uh, i think midfield is probably going to say the same henderson and uh, rice against uh, i think so many and others i think this is it's, it's tight across pretty much every area of the pitch uh, i do expect that france probably shade it a little bit on overall quality so i think um, i'm going to go with france but i think uh, you know if i were to take a step back i'll say that whoever scores the first goal is going to win this time so i am pretty sure that england are going to go with three at the back uh, probably playing kyle walker as one of the center backs and trippier comes in you know as the right wing back uh, so walker has anyway been a bit you know the more conservative of the full backs and they they you could you can see that they have a kind of three at the back shape when they are you know on the ball which and given how many times they have played it in the past it should not be a surprise to see them opt for that in a bit to counter mbappe however the pace in their backline with stones and maguire is going to be the concern for england and i think uh, france with not just mbappe but you know with dembele with griezmann making those extra runs with rabio making those extra runs they are going to have more than a handful i don't think england scoring the first goal is really going to make I mean, is necessarily going to win the match for them. However, it it will be intriguing. I think the most intriguing setup would be probably if England score first, then if France score first, and then you know wait to slice England off. Uh, I have never supported England probably in the last couple of decades, but uh, given how many times France have won tournaments in the recent past, I am definitely for one time supporting England in this match. Let's move straight on to Brazil Croatia. What do you guys think? Is are the experienced heads of Croatia Luka Modric and Kovačić uh, are they going to make a difference against Brazil? Given how leggy they would be after, you know, getting through that encounter against Japan, 
it would not really surprise me to see you know brazil out uh, out performing and having more energy than croatia in that match i think the most important thing is that brazil need to get that early goal which we talked about if that happens uh, we can see the momentum changing towards brazil and uh, probably croatia won't have enough in the tank to you know counter what brazil are throwing at them however the longer the game goes on the longer croatia seem to you know get into the game uh, how that that didn't happen against lukaku but in most other games they grew into the game a bit and that, that is the experience that they have in midfield to be able to you know slow down the game change the tempo of the game etc so i i don't think it should ideally not be a very interesting match but uh, i mean i'm just hoping that brazil pull through this yeah i think brazil should win this um... it all comes down to that first goal and the timing of it i think they should win this if they get that first goal in the first 20 i think they win this comfortably um i do think that the pace of vinicius and rafinha are going to be a it's going to give hell to that backline and midfield of of croatias um i don't think it will be that straightforward either but i do think it's going to be a reasonably comfortable maybe like a 2-0 win for brazil if they get the first goal all right coming to the last quarter final game i think we already touched upon it when we were talking about morocco's um uh, round of 16 game morocco versus portugal morocco dealing with a lot of injuries portugal suddenly on a high after perhaps benching someone or getting somebody else into the starting lineup what do you guys think is going to happen here i i think portugal are going to have too much in the tank uh, for morocco they are going to suffer a hangover from you know getting this result over spain as we have already discussed those injuries if those players are at the back are not available they are going to suffer for sure because aguard i have been very impressed by what he's done in this world cup and uh, i think he is going to join up with west ham in a lot of confidence the height that he has the reach and the grace with which he passes out from the back etc he is going to be a very big miss roman size is such an experienced customer we have seen him for years in the premier league and the kind of guts that he brings to the team i mean i'm sure that they have very line hearted players who are ready to step in but it's difficult to bridge that kind of quality uh, if uh, that along with the fatigue factor for morocco is uh, makes portugal favorites in this type uh, however one player that i think we didn't talk about and i am really looking forward to seeing him again and i hope that he is also fit as sofian bufal he had an electric first half against spain uh, even if it's if he's coming up against dalo or any or whether it's cancelo i'm sure that he is going to try those tricks again one particular trick that he did where he you know sent the right back one way and the other and then burst through I think that's the best bit of skill I have seen in this tournament, including what Richarlison has done. So, what whatever happens in this match, I am looking out for Buffon. Yeah, I mean Portugal are probably going to win this. If Morocco do stand a chance, I think it will have to be something that comes out of pure passion, uh, based on the incredible support that Morocco have had so far in this World Cup. For me, and again, I'm going purely based off of the noise that comes through my TV set. uh morocco and senegal senegal have been probably the best supported teams uh this world cup the atmosphere in all of their games has been incredible and i also have to give a i guess some kudos are due to the whoever designed and built the stadiums in qatar because they've become proper cauldron of noises 
it really uh, comes through even in the broadcast uh, anyway yeah, coming back to morocco i think if they do have to win they have to find a second and a third wind which hopefully that that their fans can provide a bit of magic from bufal or zh as rk was saying will have to be and they will absolutely absolutely have to score the first goal if they have to have any chance if portugal do take a first half lead this game is done and dusted yeah and and i read that mazraoui and uh, hakimi are both carrying knocks and they have been carrying knocks all through the tournament as well so i think this might eventually catch up with them and uh, portugal being in hot form perhaps not the best opponents although like i said earlier they do have a little bit of the giant killing gene so let's hope that um, so they're they're actually carrying two flags at the moment they're carrying the africa flag um, i think this is the first african manager who's ever made it to the uh, to the quarter finals of a world cup but they're also carrying the arab flag so they're i think culturally uh, supported extremely well supported in qatar and uh, a lot of african fans will be backing them as well so i think yeah uh, uh, just a shout out to the asian teams as well up uh, i think they were uh, incredibly well supported as well japan and south korea some crazy noise coming from their games but yeah in of all the teams left in the world cup i think morocco is definitely one of the most uh, colorful and the, the new experience let's put it that way so let's hope they can come up with another big surprise um, but somebody in our group probably isn't hoping for that he's been at his second g- game of the world cup ashwin is not with us today because he's still at qatar he watched the 6-1 demolition as a portugal fan it must have been one of the most uh, amazing experiences of his life you don't have to take my word for it here's an audio from him with the experiences from the stadium we also have a little note from swag who's not with us today because he's in spain probably to interview a few sad spanish fans after what happened to them uh, against morocco he's got uh, the lay of the land over there so we end today's episode by looking at what ashwin and swag have been up to across asia and europe with that thank you and good night hello hello listeners i'm recording this right after the 6-1 thrashing of switzerland the hands of portugal and what a game what a game uh, it was uh, the portugal fans are uh, you know making their way to the metro and you can hear the drums it kind of feels like a uh, indian cricket match because there's so many indians out here and they are out there with their drums and loads of portugal fans load of loads of people wearing the ronaldo uh, shirt the number 7 shirt um, interestingly enough the man they all came to see did not start and what that meant was they uh, portugal actually performed really well a man named gonzalo ramos who is not known by many uh, he plays for benfica i think he's played only like 30 minutes 30 odd minutes for portugal before this and uh, brought in a lot of energy uh, to the team and uh, he, he he did a lot of pressing on the off the ball as well scored three goals which was the uh, cherry on top of the cake uh, i think switzerland started really well 
the first 10 minutes belonged to Switzerland, uh, but 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 then Portugal settled into the game. Um, Bruno Fernandes with yet another captain performance, I would say. Pepe, Pepe rolling back the years, got a goal as well, made some made some amazing interceptions. Um, I think uh, second half uh, with Portugal leading two goals to nil. Uh, Switzerland could have probably gotten back into the game, but then uh, I think I think I think go- credit goes to Portugal and the pressing that they did off the ball, which was the main reason they got like four more goals. Jao Felix, I, I spoke I spoke about him in the previous game. He he did not have the best of games against Uruguay, but he really came of age and he had an absolutely blinder of a game. Uh, shout out to to the fans. They have been absolutely incredible. They wanted to see Ronaldo. They got their wish. I think 70th minute he came on. I think uh, that was the biggest cheer of the whole night. Not the six goals, not the end of the game. The biggest cheer was reserved for Ronaldo. It's a legend on the vein, unfortunately, but uh, I think as a Portugal fan and a Portugal supporter, I'm happy that they got they got the win. Morocco's next. Uh, it's probably not the easiest game, but I mean, before this game, I would have taken Morocco any day over Spain. Um, but yeah, this is this is uh, this is where we sign off uh, from the World Cup. Uh, this is where I head back to Dublin. I get to watch get to watch the World Cup on television. Uh, but it's been an incredible time in Doha. The Portugal fans are singing behind me, and uh, yeah, uh, we go to the quarter-final stage, and uh, hopefully we get to see yet another impressive, impressive Portugal win. Hola from Barcelona, listeners. So Radha asked me for my thoughts on the round of 16 games, and. The everlasting memory that I have of this is the Morocco-Spain game. And in the heart of Catalonia, the Moroccan fans taking over the town square after the game. There were flares, there were flags. And it seemed like all of the Middle Eastern Arabic world fans had converged together. You had Algerian flags, you had Syrian flags, you had Iranian flags as well. I don't know why, but anyway. And they had quite a party. They had quite a party late till the night, which meant I had to walk back home to the hotel. But that's for a different day. Anyway, I also saw the England-Senegal game uh, in the hotel. And that's that's the same story, right? The African teams seem to have quite a lot of spirit. They seem to have a lot of inventiveness. But they don't seem to have the end product yet. It's obviously a matter of uh, the... It's not a matter of capability, it's a matter of exposure, as we say. And that can only get better with time. I mean, you, you have to have more African teams battling against these uh, European giants on a more regular basis. So hopefully, when it comes to the 26th World Cup with 48 teams, uh, a more even distribution of number of teams might mean that uh, it's better in the long run for football per se. Apart from that, uh, I think uh, another interesting story was obviously Portugal benching Ronaldo and Gonzalo Ramos taking center stage. Messi is through as well. And it seems set for a showdown with his PSG teammate Neymar in the semi-final. If only Netherlands and Croatia oblige. Will they? Won't they? I don't know. Let's see. We'll have to find out. And for more analysis of that, 
you will have to tune in for our next episode when we do our analysis of the quarterfinal games. See you then. Bye.